Hello! Uh, welcome back to Capes and Japes. Thank you for joining us once again. Uh, I'm Olivia. And I'm Elion. <laughs> we never say that at the beginning. <laughs> if, um, you caught me by surprise. If joining us for... Yeah, <laughs> if I, I sounded slightly panicked in that, I was not expecting it. <laughs> I thought I'd mix things up. Also, if you're listening to us for the first time... And you don't know who we are, now you do. Um, and if you've been Olivia... listening to us and you forgot who we are, <laughs> now you remember. You're like, that's right. That's who those fools are. Um, we're Olivia and Elion, and we are here today uh, to talk to you about Emma Frost. Hey. Um, I'm very, very excited. Emma Frost is... Uh, Definitely my favorite X-Men character. Um, probably one of my favorite Marvel characters overall. Uh, maybe my favorite if you don't count any of the Runaways. <laughs> I mean, if you count the Runaways as a group, she's your second. <laughs> <laughs> Number yeah, all one. all the Runaways. <laughs> Number one, every single Runaway. <laughs> Number two, Emma Frost. Basically. Um, I'm excited because, uh, Emma, she's, like, not, I mean, she's, she's, like, a a pretty popular character, and she's, like, is pretty well-known in-universe, but I feel like not a lot of non-comics people are, like, super familiar with her, uh, and she hasn't been done really great in the films, um, or- They do her dirty. They do her dirty. Um, or in any other adaptation, or sometimes even in the comics. It's not great. Um, but she is so great, and we're going to talk about her today. Um, so, uh, Emma Frost was, uh, created in, hold on, I have to pull up my notes. I didn't have them pulled up when we started, so now I don't, (laughs) I don't know anything about Emma Frost until I check. Oh, no. Oh no! I I forgot all of it. Ah, um. Okay, here we go. Emma Frost was created, uh, in 1980, um, by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Um, she is originally an X-Men villain, uh, who, spoiler alert, uh, goes on to become an X-Man, or X-Woman, as the case may be. Um, But uh, before all that happens, um, and before, oh my god, why is is my phone behaving like this? Please, I just want to talk about Emma Frost. It's all I ever want to do. Um, Before any of that, and uh, before she is uh, introduced to the X-Men, Emma Grace Frost, an excellent name, uh, is born in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, which is not the reason why I love her, um, I was just gonna say, highly suspicious, Olivia. Hmm. Uh, listen, anytime any fictional Bostonian, I, like, automatically have, like, blood loyalty to. (laughs) That's not why, but it does help. Um, so she's uh born into a uh a very very rich family. Uh her dad is an extremely wealthy powerful businessman. Um her mom is kind of not really like a presence in her life at all. Um you know, like any like fictional super wealthy messed up family. Um she has uh two she has two sisters and a brother. Um, I think one younger sister and the other two siblings are older. Um, but I might be getting that mixed up. Um, but, uh, she grows up in this, uh, household where, uh, you know, predictably from, you know, a terrible rich family, her, like, father is extremely demanding, uh, and, you know, constantly, uh, pits his children against each other, um, all of their, 
most of the Frost siblings are, like, constantly engaged in, like, mind games and backstabbing and, like, calculating to try and, like, position themselves to, you know, uh, inherit everything. Um, her oldest sister, uh, Adrienne, is, uh, kind of the most conniving, um, and then her sister Cordelia is, like, kind of a, an angry goth rebel, um, and they all, you know, constantly butt heads, um, but she does have a soft spot, um, for her brother Christian, um, who doesn't really engage in all the power plays quite as much, um, and is also gay, uh, so that doesn't go over super great with their dad, um, son, I don't even care that you're gay. Why aren't you engaging in the power place? <laughs> Why are you not ruthless and demanding and like sneaky? Like your sisters. <laughs> like your terrible sisters. Um, so, uh, this, this is the environment she's growing up in. Uh, it's not great. Um, and in, uh, in her teen years, I think she's in, like, high school, um, she discovers that she is a mutant, which is when this usually happens for mutants, is, like, most of the time it manifests around when they hit puberty-ish, uh, not always, but a lot of the time, um, and she, uh, she's a telepath, um, so, like, other telepaths, like, uh, you know, Professor X and Jean Grey, um, she can read people's thoughts, she can, uh, as a lot of these come as she kind of, like, learns how to use them, but she can, uh, alter people's memories, uh, she can, uh, she can switch minds with people, which is, like, a weird thing to just be able to do, but she switches minds, I know, with Storm at one point to kind of infiltrate the X-Men, um, and with Iceman at one point, I don't know what the purpose of that is. <laughs> Probably I, to infiltrate the X-Men again. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty sick, but also switching implies that they also have control of your body. I, I think. Does she have? I think. Do they just go, like, unconscious for a bit? Or do they just wake up and they're Emma Stone? Um, <laughs> Emma Frost. You did say Emma Stone. I did uh, say Emma Stone. Stone and Frost are two similar concepts. That's true. They're both kind of, you know, cold, hard things that occur in nature. But um, also, Emma could Emma Frost switch Iceman's <laughs> mind with Emma Stone? I don't know if she can switch two people's minds with each other, but maybe she herself could switch minds with Emma Stone. Interesting. <laughs> That would be a pretty wacky day. Um, but, uh, she can do all of this, uh, all of this telepathic stuff. Once she's, like, uh, at her, like, you know, full power, uh, she is not quite as powerful as, uh, uh, Professor X or Jean Grey, um, but pretty close. Uh, she's an, you know, quote-unquote Omega-level mutant, which is, uh, you know, the most powerful, uh, mutant, the most powerful level of mutant that there is, um, and most, like, you know, like, full telepaths are, like, on this level. Um, she's, like, definitely, like, in the top five most, like, skilled telepaths in, like, the... Marvel Universe. Um, she's very good at doing telepathy things. Um, but, so she discovers this, uh, you know, as a teenager. Um, she uses it primarily in ways that, like, don't really go so well. Uh, she kind of, you know, tries in some ways to get ahead in her family, and it usually backfires on her. Um, but, uh, eventually she does, uh, 
she does get uh offered the company uh or and the like the 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 family inheritance by her father um because he's like you are the sneakiest and connivingest child that I have you you should inherit the family name You've congratulations um I mean but telepathy would be very good for corpy and espionage it would be it's 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 good for a lot of things um but uh she's like no you know what i've thought about it and um i'm not going to be super cool and powerful on your terms i'm going to do it on mine bye um and she uh she she flips him off and walks away pretty much um so uh she she dips out she does uh she does stuff on her own for a while uh she goes to college um i'm proud of her um and she ends up uh joining the hellfire club um which is uh a group that is was named after like actual like society clubs in the like 1800s or something like there were actually groups called uh the hellfire club um but most of those were like legitimately just like rich people clubs what the hellfire club in marvel is uh is it is uh a facade of you know a uh just a a place where you know like ex- extremely wealthy socially elite people can you know get together and uh uh smoke cigars and uh talk about their business ventures and all of this um not just like one place it's like a society that exists internationally and has you know the headquarters in a lot of places um and like at lower levels that's what it is uh, but it turns out that, uh, surprise, there's actually a secret inner circle, um... Of course there which, is. Of course there is, um, which consists of, uh, uh, a bunch of extremely, uh, powerful, well-connected people, uh, many of whom are also mutants, uh, who are just, like, trying to, like, secure power for themselves by whatever means necessary. Um, so, like, not so much as opposed to Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, um, which I love saying out loud. Um, it's who are such like, a good thing to say out loud. It is so good. Um, who are, one, interested in, uh, you know, securing a future for mutant kind, and two, doing so through, uh, usually, like, dramatic acts of domestic terrorism. Um, the Hellfire Club mainly deals in kind of, you know, politics and espionage and, like, underhanded, you know, pulling the strings behind the scenes of, like, all these different branches of society. Um, and also, despite the fact that, uh, many of them are mutants, don't usually primarily care about mutants so much as they just care about, like, whoever's sitting at this table right now. And even that Um, could change in a second, probably. Oh boy, could it. Um, so Emma, I think, starts out, uh, she might even, like, like, work, like, as, like, a stripper there or something, um, and then, like, works her way up through the ranks very quickly through all of her sneakiness and conniving and, you know, schmoozing and all of the things that she's very, very good at. Um, <laughs> Just working through this organization like, God, this isn't even hard. <laughs> Give me a challenge! Um, and ends up, uh, joining the inner circle, uh, along with uh, Sebastian Shaw is probably the most famous, like, other member of the Hellfire Club at this time. He's just a, he's a mutant. He's very evil. Um, (laughs) but everyone in the inner circle has, like, uh, like, chess-themed titles, like, depending on what your position is. Um, so Sebastian Shaw is the Black King, 
uh, and Emma is the white queen. Um, and there's also a black queen who she has, like, kind of a, a rivalry with for a while. Um, but, uh, she's, uh, Emma is, is the white queen, which is also, like, sometimes what she uses as, like, a superhero title later on. Um, but usually she just goes by <laughs> Emma Frost when she's done with this. She's like, yeah, I'm just, it's, Emma's fine. Um, so, uh, she works with the Hellfire Club. She, uh, has her own company at this point, which is how they get a lot of their money. Um, she's also, uh, the headmistress of the Massachusetts Academy, uh, which is a very boring name for a school, given, especially given how many academies there are in Massachusetts. Um, I'm here. There's a lot of them. Uh, oh, I bet. Freaking love it. Can't get enough of it. Um, but, uh, actually, the Massachusetts Academy is sort of like, uh, a, a dark version of, uh, the Xavier School, um, because they also, uh, take in young mutants, but instead of, you know, teaching them how to use their powers to help society and be a good person. Uh, they teach them how to use their powers to help the Hellfire Club take over the world. <laughs> um, I mean, the, y- you can't say they're not ambitious. That they, they are. Um, they try to get uh, Kitty Pride to join multiple times, and every time she's like, no, 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 <laughs> stop! <laughs> Um, but, uh, the, uh, the most, uh, well-known, uh, subset of this academy, um, is a team called the Hellions, um, which is cute because, like, the Hellfire Club and these are, like, the Hellions, um, who are a, um, a team of young mutants who Emma mentors, who, um, Mostly they just, um, they fight the, the new mutants. The new mutants are like, a an X-Men sort of offshoot team, uh, currently, who are getting their own movie at some point, maybe this year. Um, they had the one trailer that was like, oh, it's X-Men, but it's like a horror movie. Um, but I haven't really heard a lot since then, so I don't know where that's at. Um... But, uh, the New Mutants, their primary rivals are this team, the Hellions. So they fight them a lot, and sometimes Emma's there, and sometimes she's not. Um, but, uh, so she's kind of, you know, she's the headmistress of the school. She's the personal mentor, um, to these kids. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, they, uh, all of, pretty much this whole team ends up being killed by sentinels. Um that sucks. Yeah. Uh Sentinels being um they were in which of the movies? The one with Peter Dinklage in it. Um Days of Future Past, I think. Um but they're uh they're big old robots who just exist to hunt mutants. <laughs> they just they just want to hunt and destroy mutants. Um, so, (sighs) it, uh, it sucks. Um, so, uh, her whole, her whole team is killed. Uh, Emma is, uh, I think she, like, she places herself into, like, a, a psychic kind of stasis. Um, and when she wakes up, she's like, hey, what happened? They're like, oh, all your... All of those children you were mentoring are dead. And she says, oh, no. Um, I got more attached to them than I expected. I actually kind of care about them. Um, uh, And then this is the point where uh, her character arc starts to turn. Because uh, up until now, she's been, like, pretty much just an antagonist. Um... 
But now that she's uh, kind of sad about these kids and realizing that she sort of has feelings and <laughs> maybe oh, she no. shouldn't be doing all of this, you know, murder and world conquering and everything. There's a difficult point in everybody's life where they realize that they have feelings. Yeah, listen, we all have to go through it. It's never good. Um, but uh, she starts uh, helping out the X-Men. Um, not, like, joining them officially at first, just kind of, like, teaming up with them. Um, but, uh, she does, uh, she ends up, uh, going to, uh, Genosha, um, which is an island that was originally a very bad island where they, uh, enslaved mutants and used them to, you know, do all their work, and then, uh, they overthrew the government, and then Magneto helped to turn it into an island where mutants could live and be safe, and everything was great, um, and there were several million mutants living there, and Emma went there to help, uh, like, teach at one of the schools, uh, and then, uh, Sentinels got that too, and killed pretty much everyone there. Eh. Um, this is a Sentinels very significant... Sentinels are the worst. Sentinels suck. This is a very big deal uh, in X-Men history. So if you're reading an X-Men comic and you hear people talking about Genosha in very dramatic terms, um, that's why. Uh, but, uh, almost everyone dies. Uh, Emma lives. She's not the only survivor, um, but she lives because, uh, in this attack, uh, she discovers her secondary mutation, which is that, uh, she can turn her whole body into diamond. Which, as a power, extremely cool. <laughs> it is so rad. Um, and I found a note that said, uh, Grant Morrison was writing the series, uh, at this time. And, uh, he got some requests to bring, like, because people wanted to see Emma again. Um, and he had this idea because he was like, well, we just got, uh, Colossus just died. He comes back. It's fine. Don't worry. Um, but Colossus at this point is dead. He's like, we need somebody on the team, uh, who can, you know, uh, like, be the person who can you know, take, like, a whole bunch of hits without taking any damage. So he's like... We need a new tank. We need a new tank. Um, so he's like, uh, yeah, well, people want to see Emma. We can just, uh, do that with Emma. Uh, which is, like, I love this so much. Because when it's done properly, it's like, one, I love the idea of Emma being a tank as, like, like, just, like, a skinny blonde woman in heels. <laughs> just, like, yeah, bring it on. Um, I also like the idea of having a character who's simultaneously, like, a psychic and a tank. Um, and also, it can be, like, pretty strategically neat. Because the thing about it is, um, she can't use her psychic powers when she's, uh, diamond form. Um, but she also can't be affected by other telepaths when she's in diamond form, which is helpful. Um, but so if, you know, it with, like, good writing, it is, like, it's kind of, you know, a cool tension between, like, oh, is this a moment where, you know, I need to be physically invulnerable, or is this a moment where I need to be doing something telepathically? And will I be able to switch in time if I, like, <laughs> mess this up? Um... So that's pretty neat. And also, it just looks rad. Like, if you're just, like, whatever. If you're out there, like, oh, I think I'm gonna, you know, beat up some mutants today, and you see this woman who's just, like, walking towards you made out of, like, pure diamonds, you're like, nah. I'm good, actually. I'm gonna go home. Also, pretty poetic, because, uh... Yeah, yeah. You, diamond, you just put a bunch of carbon under pressure. Yep. It's real good. It's and real. Emma's it's been under immense pressure her whole entire life. It's real, real good. It's 
it's visually good, it's thematically good, it's narratively good, it's just good. It's it's just good. Um it's also fun because uh like some I didn't realize it was uh a secondary mutation at first when I started reading comics. Um so I was like, alright, like Frost is like a little bit on the nose for a last name for like somebody who can turn into diamonds. Um <laughs> it's like no, that was just her name for a while, and then Grant Morrison decided to make it very on the nose. Thank you, Grant Morrison. Thank you. Um, God bless you. Um, so, at this point, um, she survives Genosha, she develops a secondary mutation, she's like, alright, uh, stuff's bad out there, I'm gonna join the X-Men. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and do some good, sort of, um... So, uh, she joins the X-Men, she, uh, becomes a teacher at the Xavier Institute, um, she, uh, becomes close with some students, such as, um, the, the Stepford Cuckoos, who are a group of, uh, telepathic quintuplets, um, who are always kind of, like, uh, you know, saying mysterious things, um... That's rad, uh, though. <laughs> yeah, no, they rule. Uh, uh, a couple of them have have died over the course of, uh, you know, time and being X-Men. Um, that's they also less like, rad. That's less rad, uh, but they are still cool. Um, and, uh... They find out later that they're actually all, like, clones of Emma somehow because somebody had, like, taken Emma's DNA and used it to just create, like, a whole bunch of, like, telepathic, just teen girls. Um, so that's just a fun, weird thing. Um, but she's, they're her favorites. Um, she is less close with, uh... Kitty Pride, who is very quickly like, no, I don't, I don't trust this. I don't trust this woman. I don't like her. I do not want her in this school. Um, and she also, uh, starts, uh, an affair with Cyclops, who is currently married to Jean Grey. Um, and the thing about this is, um, it's not, it's not a physical affair. Um, and I remember reading that, or, like, hearing somebody mention that and being like, oh, it's what, like, you know, when people talk about having, like, an emotional affair, so, like, you know, you're not, like, sleeping together, but you, like, have feelings for each other or whatever. No, what it is, is that, like, they're having sex, but they're having sex psychically. Okay. (laughs) Um, which is just a wild thing to, like do and have and be happening. Um, I mean, I guess, though, if you can. If you can, and you're, like, freaky. Just like, hey, what's up? I'm bored. (laughs) Babe, come over. I can't. I'm 3,000 miles away. (laughs) Not to worry. I'm an omega-level telepath. Doesn't matter. We're both telepaths. (laughs) We got this. Um, I mean, Scott's not uh, so it's just Emma, you know, initiating all of this, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, mean, I did say we're both telepaths, which isn't correct. But which also... isn't correct. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a telepath. It's fine. Um, but so this is, uh, this becomes the source of a lot of, uh, various drama, obviously. Because obviously Jean finds out that they're doing this. Because she's also a telepath! I mean, she could probably just join in. She could just join in if comic book writers weren't cowards. Just show, um, just, just show up and be all like, hey, y'all? And they're like, oh shit. And she's like, no, 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 this is fine. Wish you would have told me. Uh, yeah. Because, like, I'm down, for sure. <laughs> like, let's let's just do this. I mean, you could have been having more fun this whole time. Um, unfortunately, that's not what happens, uh, because comics 
hate fun. Um, and they do this, uh, this, like, love triangle thing, um, which is bullshit, um, because, like, first, I mean, I do, I love, Scott with Emma is the only time I'm interested in Scott, because, like, I like Emma, so at least something is happening that I can care about. Um, Emma and Jean having this, like, rivalry over literally the most boring man in existence is, like, y'all, come on. Look at him. <laughs> he's, he's garbage. He's a, he's a garbage man. Um, he might be more interesting if he were a garbage man, but no. <laughs> no, he's just a terrible mutant. Um, uh... And then at some point, like, Jean dies for the 800th time, and Scott and Emma, you know, properly get together. Um, it says, on the Wikipedia, it says, Despite the criticism from their teammates and family members, Psychops and Frost become lovers. Um, which is very funny to me, that they're just like, hey, and everyone in the background's like, no, 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 do not do this, do not, stop, no, and they're like, Hey, <laughs> we're gonna do it anyway. People just pulling Scott aside, like Scott, this is a bad idea, and <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, but like, it's good." <laughs> They're like, "Scott, no." People Scott. pulling Emma aside and being like, "Really, Scott?" <laughs> um, it also there's like uh there's a later storyline where it's like revealed that Emma used to date like Namor. And it's like, Emma, you are so beautiful and rad. Why do you not have better taste in romantic partners? Yeah. Like, no offense to anybody who in, who likes Scott and Namor, I guess. But also, Emma could do so much better. She could do infinitely better. Um, date me. Date me, Emma. Um... <laughs> But, uh, so she, uh, she and Scott end up being, like, uh, co-headmasters of the school for a little bit, because, uh, uh, Charles retires, uh, she goes through, uh, a little bit of a back and forth, um, I think, it, I think this is also in, uh, Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men, where it's like, uh, oh, is, you know, is, is Emma secretly, like, a sleeper agent? Has she been trying to take the X-Men down this whole time? Uh, something, something, there were, like, secret memories implanted in her about Genosha, something, something, whatever. Um, but, like, uh, for the most part, she, like, she stays on the X-Men, um, and this is, like, the thing that I love about Emma. Um, she doesn't usually go back to being evil, um, she never gets any nicer. <laughs> <laughs> like, for, like, most of the time she's on the X-Men, she's just, like, like, she's, like, she's morally, like, not great. And she's, like, usually the person at the table who, like, does the Slytherin thing, uh, where, like, everybody's arguing about what to do, and she's, like, well, I think the obvious solution is just, like, if we kill this one person, it'll be fine. They're like, no, Emma, we're not going to do that because we're X-Men and we don't do that kind of thing. Um, just got to throw it out there. Just got to. Um, but she's, like, jet, like, most of the time, like, pretty committed to, like, helping the X-Men, you know, like, fight evil and stuff. But she's just really mean about it. She's just, like an asshole to everybody. Um, I picked up, uh, an issue recently of, uh, the Iceman solo series, which I haven't really been reading. I've, like, flipped through a couple. I picked up one because Richter was in it. Um, but I picked up one because Emma was in it and was on the cover. And I was like, hell yeah. Um, and she just, like, she just comes to Bobby, and she's like, I need your help with my brother, come on. And he's like, what? Don't, 
Why are you talking to me like that? It's like, you're like, why Why should I help you? You're like extremely rude to me and you've been acting kind of shady recently. She's like, fuck you. I need your help with my brother. He's the only person on earth I care about. But if you tell anybody I care about anyone, I'll rip your head off. Let's go. Help me. Or else. He's <laughs> like, okay, I guess. Um, it, um, she's so great. She's awful. She's just so awful. Um, I found, um, I found an extremely good Tumblr post that I'm going to send to you so you can put it in the show notes. Um, yes. That's just like, like, hypothetically, here's what it would be like, uh, if Emma died, because she probably will at some point because it's the X-Men and everybody, like, dies for, like, at least a year <laughs> at some oh, point. Oh, I've seen this one and I love it. Oh my god, it's so good. I think about it every day of my life. <laughs> God, just like, here's the picture of the horse that she wanted us to tell everyone she was riding. <laughs> it's a beautiful horse. Um, um, she also, um, uh, we should probably talk about, uh, her design. Um, cause it's like, it's very, <sighs> a little bit over time, uh, but it is, Almost universally, uh, regardless, probably the probably the most sexualized outfit in comics on like a character who's like not a joke, um, to the point where they like they they make a joke about it like even in like the first like few pages of Runaways, um, where it's like they have that whole bit about Alex playing like the superhero MMO and then one of his friends shows up as, like, playing as Emma Frost, like, specifically because she has, like, the most revealing outfit it is possible to have. Um, and, like, it's one of those things where, like, genuinely it is, like, openly expressed as part of Emma's character that she's like, yeah, I, like, you know, I know I'm extremely hot, I use my sexuality to get what I want, I look great, um, and I love to manipulate people, and this is how I do it. Um, which, like, on the one hand, like, I think that's cool as a personality trait. On the other, she is primarily written and drawn and designed by, uh, men. (laughs) Yeah, that part's not great. That part is not the ideal part. Um, and I think it's, I don't want to say if you're a man, you can never write a female character who, you know, uh, uses her sexuality to her advantage because, you know, that's a totally, like, that is a character trait that a female character can and should have. Um, I think probably there would have been ways to do that without having Emma, like, with, like, less than, like, a square foot of clothing on her body. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and it's also, like, I think part of it is that, not that this isn't a problem, I think part of it is the fact that she's, like, introduced as a villain, um, and that's sort of, like, very deliberately, like, not just, like, sexy, but, like, very pointedly sexual kind of costume design, like, the sort of dominatrixy vibe, um, is something that's, like, usually... Those evil, re- sexy women. Yeah, evil, sexy women, whereas, like, you know, heroic, sexy women are, like, you know, are sexy, but, like, not in, not in a way where they look like they dress themselves so that everyone would look at how sexy they are. They look like a man designed them to look at how sexy they are. Unfortunately. It's a very specific difference. Um, but that's, like, that's, that's, that's a difficulty that I always have. Um, and I mean, and this is, this is true of, like, a lot of, almost any, you know, female character in a revealing outfit. It's like, yes, if this was a real woman, I would want her to wear whatever she wanted. Um, but she's not real, 
and people drew her and decided that she should look that way, and usually those people were straight men. Um, it's, like, it's more complicated with Emma just because it's, like, so, like, pointedly part of, like, her personality, um, that it's hard to kind of, like, take a step back from it, but, like, boy, I- and, like, there's been, like, some, like, better and worse versions of it over the years, um. Yeah. I just- I wish it wasn't so much that. Um, anyways, uh, Emma is great. She's been done pretty dirty in, like, the movies, um, because she's, like, she's sort of in one of the bad Wolverine ones, but it's, like, not really her. Um, there's, there's a, there's a teen girl who's There's a diamond lady. There's a diamond lady, and she's a teen, and she's blonde, I think. Um, but other than that, there's no resemblance. Um, and she is in, uh, First Class, right? It's First Class. Um, a movie which I, uh, do wholeheartedly adore, um, but Emma in it is just sort of, like, kind of like a, a vapidly evil, like, second-in-command to Sebastian Shaw, who doesn't really do anything besides kind of, like, sit around, like, blank-faced and occasionally say something sort of evil-sounding, um, but it's like, no, come on, (laughs) she should be just, like, insulting every single person in every room she's in at all times. Yeah. (laughs) Where's my girl? Um, one of the reasons I love Emma so much is, uh, like, a early 2000s miniseries that's just called uh Emma Frost uh that was about uh her just about like her backstory basically it's like how did she become who she is today uh written by Carl uh Bowlers um I think there's a lot of it in retrospect that doesn't really hold up Um, and also, I was definitely too young to be reading it when I did read it, because, uh, a lot of very messed up stuff happened, um, but I did read it at an impressionable age, and I was immediately like, holy crap, this girl is so cool! (laughs) (laughs) She's so evil and great! Um, Of course you did. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. Um, so you should, uh, go check that out. Go, um, go find an issue of Iceman that she's in, because it's, like, it's very good. Um, read about Emma Frost, because she has not gotten enough appreciation in, like, more kind of, like, mainstream pop culture X-Men things, and that's a shame, because she owns... (laughs) Um, did you have anything to add? And or, did you read any comics this week? That'll be a no to both. I The first one, because I have not read a lot of X-Men content. The second, because I am like three competitions behind in figure skating watching. (laughs) Skating and watching. Um... I Gotta watch know, those skates. I saw you tweet earlier about, like, I'm behind on all of my hobbies. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a mood. Yeah, the only thing I'm up to date on is this here capes and japes. We're doing great. We're just, we're knocking it out of the park. Um, I had two things I wanted to talk about. One of them I, both of them I probably shouldn't be because I haven't read them yet. Um, because I'm oh. also... A little bit behind on comics, and I haven't read what I picked up this week yet, but, um, I did get, uh, Chip Zdarsky, uh, started on Daredevil this past Wednesday, um, which I am very intrigued by, um, because Chip Zdarsky, uh, is known for, uh, Sex Criminals with Matt Fraction, um, he just got done, uh, writing, uh, a Spider-Man series. Uh, he has an excellent Twitter. 
Um, but he's known primarily for uh, more comedic stuff. Um, clearly, if you've read his excellent Twitter. Um, and, like, his run on Spider-Man was, you know, like, very, like, genuine and heartfelt and had, like, serious emotion in it. Um, but it's also, you know, Peter generally tends to be, obviously, a more lighthearted character. Um, there's, like, a lot of room for, you know, comedy and goofiness and banter in Spider-Man comics. Um, Matt Murdock is not as much. Um, I'm like, some, sometimes there's jokes. Like, I think Mark Wade's Daredevil had, was, like, pretty funny and had that, you know, the extremely good panel of him walking into the party with the sweatshirt that says, I'm not Daredevil. Um. Excellent. Which is very good. Um, but, you know, Daredevil's not really a franchise that's known for it. Uh, it's, it's shenanigans, or it's slapstick. Um, so I, I mean, like, I'm pleasantly excited, because I like Chip Zdarsky a lot, and I think he's very talented. Um, and we are coming off of, like, a lot of very (laughs) pretty, uh, pretty grim Daredevil stuff, so if we're doing some, like, slightly more fun Daredevil stuff, that'll be neat. Um, but I don't, I don't know what to expect. And I haven't read it yet, because I had a very busy weekend. So maybe next week I can talk about what I actually thought instead of just speculating. (laughs) Um, But it's too late. The other thing I wanted to mention is that um, I believe today, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, um, Faith Erin Hicks, who is a um, a writer, artist, cartoonist, known mostly for uh some indie stuff, some web comics, um uh Friends with Boys, uh Adventures of Superhero Girl, uh she's illustrated a couple graphic novels, uh Demonology one oh one is her first web comic. Um she's done she's done a lot of stuff. Um but she uh has written her first prose novel, uh, called Comics Will Break Your Heart, uh, titled after the, uh, famous, possibly apocryphal Jack Kirby quote, um, and I got very excited about this when it was first announced, because I like her a lot, and I liked the title a lot, and I liked the cover design, even though I didn't know what it was about, um, and it turns out that what it's about is, uh, very topically, uh, about two, uh, present-day teenagers, um, who are both, who are each a descendant of, uh, one of the creators of a comic called The Tomorrow Men, um, that was created, like, during the Golden Age and the big, like, boom of comics, um, and is you know, in this story, currently, uh, getting made into a film franchise, um, but only one of the creators ended up with the rights and the credit to these characters, um, so one of these teens has a family who's enjoying, like, all of the benefits of this, you know, acclaim and, you know, the, these royalties getting passed down, um, and one of these teens, has gotten nothing. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, about the two of them meeting each other and trying to navigate this. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty interested by this as a premise. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And I read the, um, I think the AV Club did like a preview of the first chapter. Um, and it seemed pretty neat. And I would like to check it out. Um, so, if you want to read something that's not a comic book, but it's still about comic books, you can do that. Um, and also, I read the summary, and I was like, oh man, this seems like it would be, like, a good, like, companion piece read to Cavalier and Clay. And I was like, I should reread Cavalier and Clay, and then it's like, I just did that last year, and I'm like, I should do it again. <laughs> so, if 
if I reread Cavalier and Clay, I will let you guys know. Um, but those are those are some things that are happening. Uh, some other, if you want to keep up with other things that are happening with us, you can uh, follow us on social media. We got Twitter and Tumblr and Instagram. Um, we got uh, Pinterest. We got a Facebook group. Uh, we have a Discord channel where you can come in and hang out. Uh, you can share pictures of your pets. We have a specific, like, channel that's just for pictures of people's pets and other good animals that they meet. Because um, you gotta. Every Discord server has to have a channel where people can talk about their pets. It's, it's, so, it's so important. It's so necessary. Um, so you can talk about your pets. You can talk about comic books. You can talk about anything, anything else, you want, really. Anything you want. Anything you feel like talking about. Um, we also have a Patreon. Um, you can find us there. You can, uh, if you'd like to support us on that, you can get access to things like bonus episodes. We do uh, movie nights. You can help us decide what uh, what episodes to record what kind of things to talk about um so all of those you can do um which also thank you t oh i know we already thanked you in the discord server but thanks yeah a friend of the show t has joined the patreon since last time um which is rad thank you t for your support um we love you uh so that yeah if you want to support us in other ways you could leave us a rating and a review you could uh tell a friend to check us out and maybe if they're like sitting around like boy i wish i knew more about this comic book thing you could be like hey um i got something for you um and uh you can just keep on listening keep on hanging out with us um cuz we love we love having you uh thank you for joining us today on this episode of capes and japes um it's been a delight I have been Olivia. And I have been Elion. And, as always, kiss me telepathically, sexy Emma Frost. (laughs) God, Emma Frost, please, please kiss me telepathically. I'm waiting. My body's ready. (laughs) 